he used to work in a diner. Never saw a woman look finer. I used to order just to watch her float across the floor. She grew up in a small town. Never put her roots down. Daddy always kept moving, so she did too. Somewhere on a desert highway, she rides a Harley Davidson, her long brown hair flying in the wind. She's been running half her life. The chrome and steel she rides colliding with the very air she breathes. The air she breathes. Hello there, and welcome to Pivotal Film. My name is Tom Nolan. And I'm Mario Ponzio, and we're in episode 16. We are cruising, Mario. We are cruising. cruising. for a bruising. You but, know what else cruised? Was that uh, the Jeff Bezos pickup of the Borat sequel, hmm. now releasing a little over a week before the election. Jeff Bezos, you know, There's nobody who hard. hates Trump as much as everybody. Than Jeff Bezos. But there's nobody who hates Trump with as much money as Jeff Bezos. Right. And, you know, he paid however much money he needed to pay Sasha Baron Well, Cohen. I'm very interested to... Uh, do you have the title there in front of you? That is Borat Gift a Pornographic Monkey to Vice Premier Michael Pence to Make Benefit Recently Diminished Nation of Kazakhstan. If he got close to Pence, that's not just like a big... A cool film thing. It's a big fucking deal. Like... Just in the culture. Well, there's They're, definitely... Sasha Baron Cohen got close to Pence and fucked with there's him. There's definitely uh, some rumors that he got to Ju- he got to Giuliani. What the fuck? That's just obvious. I mean, that's, yeah. But, I mean, that's something. But Giuliani's insane. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know what Mike Pence's, like, mental status is at this point, but I feel like he's probably not insane. When Greg Gumberg and, you know, the other Fox and Friends idiots are staring in horror as, you know, Giuliani's saying Joe Biden has uh, dementia... Um, you know, you, you know you're already crazy. And what's oh, great too Jesus. is we had a surprise release yesterday, uh, Tuesday of the existential horror film, the first presidential debate. So yeah. That was nice. Yeah, that was good. I didn't watch any of it. I watched some clips. Watched uh, Rick Santorum just look crestfallen and shameful as he tried to defend what whatever happened. And then by the end of his night, he was just like, like "We're losing this. We're losing." Yeah. Um, he's like, "I think we got a good message. We just he just didn't deliver it well tonight." He's like, oh, okay. That's what you think, Rick Santorum? He's like, yeah, it's fine. It's okay, I'll be good. Oh, fuck, Mario. You know fuck, what, Tom? Um, fuck, fuck, In times like this, what do we need to do? Drink fucking beers. Uh, this one's This from... beer is not a virgin? What does that mean? I said fucking beer. Yeah, <laughs> drink, drink fucking beers. Um, what are you doing that for? 
Oh, I see what you're doing. That's disgusting, Mario. <laughs> it's from Jack's Abbey. I was pretending that the beers were having sex. It's an Abbey. It's an Abbey, Mario. Come on. It's where the That's monks, what you do. That's where what the you monks do. are. What do you think those monks were doing? I don't know. Shaving their heads. Um, Come on. Black shaving Nar- their heads. Black Narcissus, you know those nuns were They're remaking on. that. Did you hear that? Someone's remaking Black Narcissus. Why? Did you also see the news that Barry Why? Jenkins is going to direct a Lion King sequel? Yeah, good for him. He's, he'll get a lot of money for it. Then he can direct like several other movies. I hope that's what he's, what's happening. I think so. I hope so. I hope these people all don't just disappear inside the Disney machine. But let's just get to the beer here. John Favreau just consumed it. It is October when people are listening to this, which means it's Oktoberfest time on the podcast. This is from Jack Sabby. They're from Framingham, Mass. We've had them on the podcast before. Yeah. Ooh, we did that sweet elderberry sour. Ooh, that was good. I don't remember uh, that at this all. This is called Copper Legend. It is Oktoberfest. 5.7. Framingham, yeah. Unpasteurized. Louie would not be happy. We're going to get the, uh, leukemia. The milk lobby is going to be all over this episode. Bing. Dink it. No, oh, copper's copper's the right term because that has a metallic beer taste to it. Um, it Ooh, is, yeah. And it doesn't. But it finishes with like a nice little sweetness. Uh, but it, I wouldn't say malty. It rolls. It's got like a kind of. It doesn't do much when it first gets into your mouth, and then it hits your tongue, and it does a little something else, and then it finishes pretty good. But it's weird. That's what Janice Griffin said. <laughs> is that what you said? It's another porn star, by the way. Just dropping porn star names. Ugh. Oh, Mario. <laughs> what are we? <laughs> I think yesterday fucked us all up. We're recording this on Wednesday. Yeah. We don't record on Thursdays anymore. That's what's fucking us up. Uh, but no, it's it's pleasant. Maybe. Um, it's fine, actually. I I I, I come to the the conclusion this is a fine beer. Yes. This is a Robert Bresson of beers, and that gave it a good shot and just didn't reach it. Uh, and yeah. it's a donkey. That's, uh, that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. The color is like a donkey. Um, were there any donkeys in the movie? We were just no. I was trying to think of like how we're gonna segue, but um, you know, Winnie the Pooh has a donkey in it. And Eeyore. Eeyore, and that takes place in England, much like the film we watched today, and Noah Holmes. Now, where to begin? My mother named me Enola, which backwards spells alone. And yet, we were always together. And it was wonderful. She was my whole world. Which leads me on to the second thing you need to know. A week ago, I awoke. Mother? To find that my mother was missing, and she did not return. I'm presently on the way to collect my brothers, Mycroft and Sherlock. Yes, Sherlock Holmes, the famous detective, my genius brother. He will have all the answers. Enola. Where's your hat and your gloves? Well, I have a hat. Just makes my head itch. And I have no gloves. My God. A wild woman brought up a wild child. Who will make her acceptable for society? She seems intelligent. There are two paths you can take, Enola. Yours, or the path others choose for you. It is time to find my mother. The game is afoot. <laughs> Netflix quit with like a trailer. Their, their trailers go on too long. Like um, it, it seems like it should end, and there's like five more seconds of music. You could argue that's not even the end of the trailer. That's the middle it's like, of the so trailer. So it's like a babysitter thing. Yeah. Um, th- 
Netflix making things that go on too long is a thing we'll come back to later on in, in this in this review. That's fair. So Enola Holmes is the youngest of the three Holmes siblings, Mycroft and Sherlock. Uh, she has much of the same skills and accomplishments as her older siblings. Um, under the tutelage of her mother, Udora, uh, she's learned various martial arts and various deductive skills and to forge her own way. And then Hell in the Bottom Carter, her butter, just runs off. And um, Sherlock and Minecraft come to help try and figure out the mystery and also to, you know, Minecraft to be her ward. Uh, Minecraft misbetrayed drastically as he is from the literature. Don't know what the fuck's going on there, but we'll get to that. Mm. Uh, is a dick. A huge dick and very active, which is weird because Mycroft is lazy as shit. Like, Mycroft is actually smarter than Sherlock in the literature, but mm. he's lazy. Yeah, Whatever. We'll, 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 I'm not going to we'll use it there. as a negative. Yeah, yeah. I'll let this exist as its own. I'm not going to sue the estate like they tried to do because Sherlock shows emotions, which happens in the later blah, blah, blah. We'll talk about that later. I mean, he doesn't um, show a ton of emotions. <laughs> But whatever. Anyways, uh, Mycroft tries to send her off to finishing school to be a real lady, and Nola Holmes is like, go fuck yourself. Yep. Finger birds. She's going to go solve the mystery of where her mother does. While doing that, she runs across a young boy, Viscount uh, Tewksbury, something of something. The Marquis, she, uh, or Marquess uh, of something, something of yeah, Basilworth yeah, yeah, Tree yeah. or something, yeah. Um... And a guy in a brown bowler hat's trying to kill him because she's off on a train and they escape it and they run off. And then she says, you need to get out of here. And Enola keeps solving the mystery. But then the brown bowler hat guy comes back. Who I kept and wishing was, like, was And I was like, hey, do you remember I was in Pacific Rim? And, that guy, and then she was like, I don't know what that movie is. Yeah, it was with Charlie Day. Who's... Oh, Charlie, yeah, Charlie he, Day was, was in an those, action movie. Was he in one of those Godzilla films? I was in that. Uh, you know, eventually she's runs back and changes her course from trying to solve the mystery of her mother and now is going to solve the mystery of why they're trying to kill this uh, young no. effeminate boy. Tukey. Um, I'm going to call him Tukey. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, she, she finds him after some hijinks. She's also being chased by Mycroft and Lestrand. He's also acting un-Lestrand-like, but whatever, go fuck it. Uh, anyhow, uh, it turns out that during all this, there is a vote, the reform vote of like 1887 or whatever, that really didn't do they use it a lot for feminism in this film, but it didn't actually enfranchise women. It That's why only go... extended the voting rights to people who paid like ten pounds in annual rent or owned ten pounds of land. So it's still actually disenfranchised. Well, that's like why she had to keep going fighting at the end of but the But anyways, yeah. Uh she finds him. It turns out that Tewksbury is Tewksbury whatever is Tukey. is a. Uh, is is set to be part of the House of Lords, and he's going to be a decisive vote. And it turns out his grandmother has been the one trying to kill him, sending this brown bowler guy to kill him. After she killed her son. Yeah. She's a real bitch. Yeah. She is definitely a Trump guy. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, and eventually the brown bowler guy gets his uh, head mashed in, and he's dead. No Pacific Rim... Uprising Part 3 for him. Uh, and the grandmother just kind of gives up after realizing her son outsmarted him. She Whatever. Doesn't, she, doesn't, she shoots his, the, the grandson in the chest and... I mean, I didn't see when he put that... Yeah, you know, But she's just like, whatever. She's like shocked by the fact that he outsmarted... She doesn't continue to try to kill him. She's like, oh, I got outsmarted. Uh, and then know. lets herself get arrested. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, the reform vote passes by one. Anola Holmes goes off to do more, uh, you know, uh, sleuthing. sleuthing, and Sherlock is pretty proud of her, but that, and Mycroft just is kind of over it. He 
Yeah. He I, only shows... He I shows, love by the end of the movie, Mycroft is like, I'm done with this. But he shows his, like, first actual Mycroft of literature, um, folksiness in the fact that he just doesn't care. Because like, Mycroft doesn't give a shit in the books. He's fat and tired mm. and bored and just wants to earn his bureaucratic $52,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of my feelings for the betrayal of the characters as they stand <laughs> with the Conan Doyle novels, uh, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of Sherlock, as mm-hmm. you can see over there. Um, I have the complete collection. Um, I hope, people can't see that, Mario. Should we wave it in front of the mic? I'm, yeah. <laughs> They'll hear the wind and be like, Shake oh, that sounds like a complete collection. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> As you can see over there, people are like, oh, he's probably pointing to a bookshelf. They, our fans are deductive at least. Not when it comes to my movements, but to, according to you, when they over do there your in movements. The, in the gigantic shrine I have the Sherlock Holmes, regardless <laughs> of my feelings, as I do for the character portrayal, uh, I find this movie charming in a way that, like, Timmy Failure was charming. Yep. Uh, Timmy Failure has a lot more heart to it. This one feels a little more big budgeted and so cold is that way but it, it makes a it would be a good disney plus film um yeah one of the one of the better disney plus films because yeah, i've just watched i just watched magic camp oh i'm sorry oh. i can only imagine that's terrible um it, it kind of reminds me of those early 90s live action disney films like mm-hmm. the jungle book um remember the jason scott lee one mm. With Carrie Elway's playing, oh, playing yeah, a villain, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it is it is very much buoyed by a great performance from its lead, Millie, uh, Bobby Brown. Who mm-hmm. I fucking I hate Stranger Things with a passion, and I, I didn't think she was good in that. But uh, you know her film performances so far that I've seen have been decent, mm-hmm. um, and this one definitely excels. She's able to carry a film even with its decidedly. Um, kind of stupid fourth wall breaking i'm not a big fan of that uh it's supporting performances also are solid solid um henry cavill's not given a lot to do but he does a decent job with it hell on the bottom carter playing a really kind of controlled performance is nice to see because mm-hmm. she's a great actress but underneath the wall of tim burton um it was destroyed uh yeah it is a charming kind of whimsical film that is you know a little too long but yeah, I didn't have such of a problem with it. I didn't. I don't know if I had a problem with it. It's a problem with its length. I just noticed that it was too long. Some of these seems seem to go on forever. There seems to be an extra plot point in there when she gets taken back to the reform school. Oh, so yeah. she's with the guy. She's with Tuki, and then she gets kidnapped, or then she gets taken to the reform school, and then she just ends up with Tuki again. And it's just like if you're just gonna have them be like have her have this situation sandwiched between. You know the same exact situation happening. Just get rid of that and just have them stay there and just go to the grandmother's house. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't add anything. Um, I think the best way to have done that would have been they escape, but independently. Well, I just um, think, and what, maybe give like a two minute scene where she's trying to find him again and eventually. Well, I think one of the things that they probably did in that scene, and this is not my full critique. It's just like one of the things that I just kind of it exemplifies a lot of the things you were talking about. How this movie kind of strays a little bit from the typical um, Holmesian. You know the the canon. You know what I mean. Not maybe from the names and all this other stuff, but just from uh, from per- personalities a little bit. I think one of the weird things here is that so they in that in the middle of that scene that I think they probably should have cut out. Um, Basil Sher- Weather. Basil <laughs> Basil Weather. Right. Um, Sherlock shows up at the at the school and kind of delivers some you know Sherlocky advice. Um, 
and then he leaves and she gets her paper and like he gets to do something and she gets to do, to do something blah 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 why is she not at any point and there she's in London why is there no Baker Street here why doesn't she end up at like 221 like looking around her or something you know what I mean there's there's a there seems to be a real lack of maybe the kind of like still owns maybe that. just like digging into the Holmes mythology I thought would have been would have been cooler I think I agree with you that this movie works on a purely enjoyable level. You know what I mean? I think Millie Bobby Brown is a fucking firecracker, man. I mean, when she's doing when when she's engaged in the movie, the movie just kind of seems to rise up a level. Um, I haven't seen an actress of her age be as charismatic. She's like a female Timothy. Act- she's like a female Timothy Chalamet or actor even. Right? Like how, old, how old was Chalamet when he did? Um, I don't know. I'm 16, 17, 18, something like that. No, no, he had to have been 18. Uh, I assume a little older, but... Not that much older. Um, while we're looking that up, so you kind of... The, the talking to the camera thing, the movie was directed by Harry Bradbeer, who um, directed a bunch of... Flea- he's 22 in... Uh, Call me by your name. Twenty one. But even still, he's a young actor, but he's a, a he's a, a, an actor who, when they come onto the screen... This, like it elevates whatever's happening. So when Sam Claffin and Henry Cavill are having one of their arguments, that movie is dead. That's a dead movie. It's just a dead movie. I think Henry Cavill is actually okay as Sherlock Holmes. I think he's he carries a nice gravity. Superman Sherlock Holmes has a nice weight to it. But when she's not there to like get under that weight and lift it up a little bit, it just gets like so saggy and boring. Well, I think Sam Claffin's... A, a bad choice in this. Sam well, Claffin is so... not doing anything, and there's nothing. I, I think there's a real intent to add some sort of level of detachment from reality for Minecraft, like the, I guess. who he has. Um, but he just he plays the character with such like a, like a villainy that um, and disdain yeah. that like it's not necessary. He's he kind of has what I, what's called in wrestling X Pac heat, um, or now <laughs> I know, Baron I know what Corbin that means, heat. Yeah. But in, in other words, like you know, a heel in wrestling is somebody you want to boo, but you want to watch. But mm-hmm. every time he's on screen, I'm just like, get him off the screen. I don't want to. I I dislike seeing him because I don't want that character in. And I think it's a, a measure of both a feeling of the portrayal of that character because he doesn't really have any redeeming qualities mm-hmm. whatsoever. He has a little care for his sister, but it seems more like just because he has to. Right. Um, and I think Claffin doesn't like try to do anything with that. Well, though, I think the, 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 your use of the word villain, I think, is good because they tried, the movie tries to villainize him to make it seem like he's like one of the people that could be responsible for whatever is happening to Enola, like her being chased or like whatever. But it also seems weird. It doesn't really make any sense that he would be so angry with her because... As far as I think the rest of the world knew, you know, unless unless you were in Eudora's circle, you didn't even know that Enola really existed. It's not like, you know, Mycroft was walking around having to listen to people kind of judge him because of, you know, the rough nature of his sister living in relative seclusion in this rundown house in the middle of the English countryside. You know what I mean? So his need for her to kind of get in line with the program just seems really stupid if she just stayed there forever doing nothing she wouldn't have bothered anybody and he could have all of his government whatevers and nobody would care because nobody would know she exists doesn't yeah. make any sense it's just they kind of made him angry and pissed off just for the sake of being angry and pissed and off I, for the sake of a plot device and i think an easy solution to this is to play it off as though he is frustrated by the reform bill coming in because it's going to be more work for him mm. and having that'd be Nola, funny 
having a Nola play a character who's very much representing kind of the idea of the mm. reform would be a funny little twist. Yep. And the fact that like you play him off as like caring about her, mm-hmm. like in those moments that they try to do later on in the film, but he's also kind of just like enough with this brief, you know, this acting out, blah blah blah, just because it's like. It's going to be more paperwork for him, which was which is hilarious and great, and they should have done it. Uh, to, to, I am I am open for the sequel. Yeah, to that end, I think the movie works. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put a decapitation in that film. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, this movie was close on screen. I, We're gonna show it. I think one of the things that I dis I not dislike, but I was kind of found weird about this movie is that the movie is pretty safe in all regards. Except for these couple of moments where the guy in the bowler hat literally tries to kill Enola. Like, he butts her in the face with, like, the end of a rifle and, you know, tries to drown her. Um, I mean, the fight scene between her and him is cool. And the way that they kind of Mm. tie it to, like, this past martial arts training that she does with her mother is also cool. But then actively tries to kill her. It definitely... Yeah, that's that's the thing, like, you want to compare it to... um... I want to say Guy Fieri's Jungle to Jungle. I want to say Guy Fieri's old Sherlock Holmes films, but oh, um, not Guy um, Guy Ritchie's Guy, Ritchie. Guy Ritchie. But Guy Fieri, Guy Fieri, is the only name. Guy Pierce, Guy, Guy Ritchie, F- Guy Fieri's Sherlock Holmes would be amazing. We're gonna take this motherfucker <laughs> to Flavortown. <laughs> Just be like, what? Flavortown. Flavortown. Sherlock Holmes in, like, you know, a, a Hawaiian flame shirt would be great. Um, but the Guy Ritchie, Sherlock Holmes have, have this bit of this rawness, but also, like, this kind of feeds off of it, kind of in that playback of, like, past and whatnot, mm-hmm. acting with present. And there, there's that still that raw touch of his old gangster films with that where, you know, things still feel kind of grimy and dirty, mm-hmm. whereas this does have a very sanitized, clean feel Oh, sure. It. Um, I mean, the backgrounds are all computer-generated, except for the ones that are, they're being thrown into. Yeah, for sure. Um, but nicely. I mean, this movie looks better and feels better than I think it has any right to. I mean, it's spent, it's, it definitely feels like a, a theatrical release. Yeah, they did. I mean, a, it was going to be a theatrical they release. Did a good, it's a, they did a good job. I think the things that we're kind of saying are just kind of nitpicky things that um you know if if we had our druthers they would fix about it and make it kind of a a, a, i don't know a pseudo perfect family comedy drama like caper rather than this kind of weird hybrid mix between teen and 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 kid and and adult well i think it's interesting i think the intent of this film was kind of just to be dropped like in theaters mm-hmm. has kind of like a war on grandpa to mention a film coming out soon kind of released where it's, it's a Robert De Niro shitty fighting with a teenager family oh. comedy where it was going to be like, you know, make a cup, make $50 million or so and then be forgotten. But I think it's kind of, especially in the time we're in where if a film comes out and it has at least a bit of substance or, or, or a bit of kind of like spectacle to it. Yep. Um, people are going to attach themselves to it. Like, yeah. I, I can see this movie getting a bigger budget sequel. Oh yeah. It. Like um, I would think my daughter is waiting patiently, but no. also not patiently for whenever the next movie is going to come out. I mean, this is a film I think that actually will benefit from our current situation, you know, because it, it well, it's still it on has the top. So many, eyes. so it's, it's the most watched film right now. Exactly. Uh, and it's, it's been out for a thing. week. Yeah, it's the second week, most watched weeks? thing on Netflix right yeah. now. It's um yeah, it's just hitting a week today. Yeah. Um behind Ratchet, you know. 
And people are just looking. Or that's just Ryan Murphy watching on a thousand screens. That's Ryan. Is that Ryan Murphy? No, it's a Evan Romant. Oh, no, it's a Ryan It's a Ryan Murphy, Murphy failure, yeah. It had to be because Sarah Paulson's in it. And it sucks, so. Is it, is it getting a bad review? It's getting I terrible reviews. Yeah, it's getting chopped up. I don't give a shit either. I just I was forced by my wife to watch a couple episodes of The Politician, which was just total garbage. I have this thing. I'm like, just this is going to sound terrible. Really, her and Cherry Jones were a par- partners. I know that, but anytime I see Sarah Paulson, I just like there's something about the way she performs that makes me just not want to watch Sarah Paulson. Hmm. I don't know what that is. I don't really watch a lot of stuff that Sarah Paulson's involved with. Is that, like, bad on me? No, I wouldn't say so. Um, like, I just don't watch a lot of FX. I've never been a, an American Horror Story person. Uh, like, or, you know, The People versus OJ. Um, like, I didn't watch any of that stuff. I'm trying to think of, like, like Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. Like, choosing that. Like, just... Uh, every time I just see yeah. it's like, I just... Her small role in Carol really drags it down. There's mm. just something about her that just like puts, too intense. I don't know. It just kind of puts things. It kind of halts it. it. It feels as though she's acting in something different than everyone else is. Well, I would like to see her. I think in a movie where she's not forced to be We're just like, shitting, just finishing this off. No, no, I think shitting on Sarah Paul. She's, like, she's a fine actor. I think so too. But I'd like to see her be in a thing where she doesn't have to be the sole actor in a movie. Or a TV show. Like, I keep thinking of... when While we were talking, I was thinking of some of those, like... Sarah Paulson in The Savages. Does that work? Sarah Paulson in, like, What We Lost. I would, in the Hillary Swank wall, in the Laura Linney role. Does does she work in that context? Modern, like, a, a not like so mannered, like, normal yeah, person stuff. I think that's stuff. what it is. I think, I think she has a lot of untapped potential with, with a charismatic performance. Yeah. I think she has, like, a charismatic presence... Everything she's in requires her to be so well maintained and just like stodgy. Is that, is that just, what, yeah? It's is everything's that, heavily mannered. Yeah. Every, heavily mannered. It's all actors. I kind of want to see her like just let loose and just be a person. Yeah, I would like to see her be a person because like, she has like a natural kind of like demeanor to her that seems to suggest like there there's a real potential to be like like knocking it out. Um, yeah, but. It just feels like everything she's doing, she's thinking like five minutes before she does how it. How about this? In the movie we're going to talk about in probably a minute, depending on how... Actually, I have one more question for you. Not necessarily about Enola Holmes, but Sherlock Holmes in general. In the sister role, 2008 Sarah Paulson in the sister role. In the movie we're going to talk about next? Yeah. Fuck no. I mean, I love the, that actress. You never replace You never replace her. Yeah, okay. I'm Ever. Just, but no, you I'm, put her in more movies. I'm not saying... Not only because... because but I'm not saying like... By the sister yeah, role, wait, the sister role, you mean the yeah. one getting married or the yeah, one yeah, yeah. not getting married? The one not getting, the one getting I, married. I think you could put her in the one not getting married. In the so actually, think that's, because the question you works. You don't fucking touch right. Rosemary DeWitt. The, cre- the question you works both don't ways. don't fucking do it. I'm not suggesting that they actually do it, that they remake it with her in the thing. I'm just saying like from they a. they remake it, put Rosemary DeWitt in it. Okay. <laughs> go, 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 Off of this, so you mentioned. You know, just classic Holmes mythology. You talked about Nola Holmes. You talked about the guy Richie Sherlock Holmes. What was your opinion of the Benedict Cumberbatch Holmes series? Oh, I like it. Um, it has it has a nice touch of it, it captures a lot of the feelings of the characters. I mean, obviously, I. Uh, 
I only ask because me and my wife just watched it over the I mean, during the quarantine, and I kind of I I dug it when when it was really working. I thought it was really cool, and then sometimes it was trying way too hard, and it just kind of tripped over itself. Yeah, no. Sometimes I think it's trying way too hard. I think Cumberbatch, Martin Freeman, um, really capture kind of what they're supposed to be doing. Um, Mark Gas Mark Gatiss says. Um, Mycroft is he's like like perfect. He like, plays it exactly as you described it. Yeah. yeah, plays it perfectly in just this boredom. Um, the my one problem I have with it, and a lot of people love him in this, is I think Andrew Scott is not Moriarty. I think he's too over the top. Mm. Um, and Moriarty has Moriarty has portrayed by. Um, God, it's just taking take me a second to go through this. Uh, oh. Films, films, films. Jared Harris is, is a oh, really solid performance. Andrew Scott is never going to be Jared fucking <laughs> Harris. <laughs> Sorry, Andrew Scott. <laughs> but Jared Harris just like does that with like lock and key. Um, and Eve, and I'm trying to think of. I mean, I think roles that Jared Harris plays that have nothing to do with Moriarty. You could say I never saw. The I would Lawrence, believe him. I never saw the Lawrence Olivier performance of my of Moriarty. That could be good. But no, Andrew I'm Scott, sure you can't understand anything he says. Andrew Scott plays it with just like a little bit of like cuteness that that is just not right. Um, but I think I think from a, a feeling perspective of how it feels, mm-hmm. it's very solid. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's actually like one of the more faithful adaptations in terms of the feeling of what it is. Mm. Especially like Sherlock's struggle with like not being a person because mm. the character himself has this like. In the books, especially later on, as you get to, like, Final Solution and, like, his return during, like, the World War One stuff, as this feels, somebody who's, like, grappling with, with autism of, of its time yeah. and really wants to, realizing what he's missed and, like, he get, creates this emotive sense and that you see, like, Cumberbatch do in spades in the, in the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, Enola Holmes, for, you know, to end on it, I suppose, he doesn't seem like he's grappling with... Um, he's a much more mannered... Well, I think um, it's and, and, and in touch. I think it's like an emotional Sherlock. distress rather than something like genetic or biological. Mm-hmm. Like he's something happened to him as a child that forced him to kind of develop all these standoffish habits. He doesn't even seem necessarily like Kenry Cavill's like that. That portrayal I think is so, really charismatic and, and solid. But I don't think there's anything about him that's that's locked off. I think everything about him portrays somebody who's just like I'm too well, I think busy. To pay attention. No, I think it's this. locked off. I think it's a little bit locked off by choice, like a choice he made like a while ago, like to remain locked off, but not inhuman. Yeah. So Ben Cumberbatch is Sherlock is inhuman in a lot of ways, um, not just because of his stupid hair, but you know, because of his personality. How old? One thing I find interesting is how old is Sherlock supposed to be? Because this Sherlock hasn't met Watson yet. Um, I don't know. Which is weird that he would have an emote. Regardless, Doesn't going back into the thing. Uh, no, good, really good. solid, fun film. Yep. Um, in terms of, I, I, it's it's one of those ones that's like definitely like a great family movie of the year. Yeah, I mean, aside from like the death and the hitting girls and the <laughs> in the face I think, I think even the fight scene is fine it shows like a nice like equality in a fight sort of thing. Um, it's just a little too. It gets a little the, too heavy his, for no good reason. His skull coming like cracking <laughs> in is yeah. is a little bit. Wrong. It's very million dollar baby, but worse. It's like worse than million. Dollar well, baby. because it's like that that you know iron filial on a on a on a and iron or something and like, like it that. goes it really it, it goes into like slightly into his head. Like when he moves off of it for some reason, it's not crushed in. It would have been funny if she sat up and she was like, "I don't feel anything." 
damn it. I'm going down a bad path. All right, uh, we will be right back with Imagine, that. Uh, really quickly, yeah, Imagine yeah. like Jeremy Solianay had gotten gotten this movie. The blood just goes. She pulls it aside and like the piece of the skull flaps back. I was watching that. And going, she like, just kind of plays with it. I sometimes like see stuff like this, and I just look at it and go like, "Man, I really want to see just like one of these family movies just have this moment where things go." Fucking off the rail. Well, that's and then you come back. Not Jeremy Sullivan because he's never made this kind of movie. What about David Lowry, who made Pete's Dragon, who's set up to do another one of these Disney movies? What if David Lowry makes a movie where they're just like, Anola Holmes is sixteen and she's gonna fucking kick a guy so hard that his he falls down and his neck breaks and his skull cracks on a piece of iron. And do something she, with that. And then she monologues for five minutes about like what death means. And then she eats his brains with a fork <laughs> while nothing else, <laughs> nothing else happens. Um, all right. We'll be right back uh, with my number 16. Ah, I can't believe we're on 16. This oh, is yeah. all happening too fast. I have to... She's so hot. Welcome. <laughs> 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 yeah, welcome back. Um, should I leave in that? I can leave that. Why the hell not? Yeah, it's paying a compliment. Um, I was thinking about my number sixteen a lot this week when I was uh, I was I knew how I was going to frame it. I knew how I was going to talk about it, but I just kind of wanted to have an additional uh, piece to attach it to something else within uh, the context of this list um, because it seems so uh, it seems so out of place. I think on my list so much so that like even when I see it, I'm just like Rachel getting married. Yeah, when I first saw this list, I was like, what? Yeah, it doesn't like, feel I like I was the only one who knew this. Well, movie so existed. It, it was one of those things. If if my number twelve didn't appear in my life, Rachel getting married would be my fifteen. It was, it's one of these things that's like always been my fifteen. I've had my list in place for a long time. I had my top fifteen in place for a long time until this movie came and fucked everything up. But I see a lot of similarities in my attachment to Rachel getting. Oh, I did. I just said it. Oh, uh, I'll limit. I'll go back. My number uh, sixteen is uh, Rachel getting married. We are gathered here to celebrate love, pure and simple. Rachel is pure, Cindy is simple. (laughs) Hey, didn't I see you on Cop? Oh my God! You look great. Oh no, I'm so fat. Stop it. No, you. I would swear to God that you were puking again. You know, I can really see rehab has done wonders for you, Kim. Darling, hi. Is your sister behaving herself? I'm not exactly sure what that means. I'm Shiva the Destroyer, and your Harbinger of Doom for this evening. It's going to be perfect. Oh, God! Lahaya! Honey, don't smoke. I don't think it's... Can you smoke here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone in the house is looking at me like I'm a sociopath. I mean, what do you expect me to do? Burn the house down? That was a mattress fire. Okay, you know what? Fine. Dad, she lies to everybody. What are you doing? You don't get to sit around for the rest of my life deciding what I'm supposed to be like. Are they going to play all weekend? Good job, Ron Livingston. Um, so to go back, I see a lot of similarities in my reaction to Rachel's getting married. When I Rachel getting married, Rachel's not Rachel's getting married. Rachel getting married. When I saw it, to your reaction to your number four, mm-hmm. where you sit down with a movie and you have 
some expectations based on what you read, maybe, what you think, seeing an actor or actress in something else, you know, seeing a director, knowing a little bit about it, like the context or whatever, and you sit down, you have certain expectations, and then you watch the thing, and then when the movie finishes, you're like, that's movies for me. And you don't necessarily, upon first viewing, know exactly how it's for you, but it's just kind of, it's just inside of you already, and you're just like, oh, that was fast, like, you got, you got their quick movie. I mean, um, not, 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 not similar to, to that. I mean, but I, I can understand where you're, where you're getting at, yeah. How not similar? Oh, because I just knew from my first viewing, and I, and I felt like I was ripped apart on, like, from the first But you didn't that. know that it was going to rip you apart. No, I knew it, it. I knew moments had ripped me apart, but then I just became no, no, obsessed on, with it, and, like instantaneously. But on, upon first viewing, you weren't, you weren't sitting down when you first saw it and was just like, rip me apart. Oh no! But like the second it ended, I was like, "Sure, oh, well, that's what I'm saying it. here." Like yeah. you, it, it, yeah, you, yeah. you okay, watch the movie and then you're just like, "What the fuck?" Like just that's it's now we are one. Like you're just like a symbiotic thing, growth on my body forever. Um, and Rachel getting married is totally that. I think there's a lot of extenuating circumstances for me that go into this. Like uh, from a, a biography standpoint, from a narrative standpoint, I saw this movie. So this movie came out in October. Um, I got married of 2008. I got married. Um, I think a couple weeks after I saw this movie, which is funny and serendipitous, I guess. How did I see this movie in Reno? I must have been visiting. Weird. Okay. Maybe like your body, your no, soul, your this, soul went to Reno to see it. I saw this in apartment 431, and I don't know how it did happen. I had been visiting. Like Were you here in 2008? Yeah, I moved here in 2008. I moved here in November 2008. Oh, okay. Weird. So I must have been on a trip, and I was like, let's watch this. Hmm. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I was getting married, um, and we were not, you know, we are not these people. We did not have a uh, talent show for our rehearsal dinner. Um, not everybody got up to make a speech, you know. During the during the dinner, um, Bill Irwin was not invited to any of the things, which is a shame. Um, I mean, if he I think had, he would have really if he had I, asked. I think I think he would have added something if he had asked to come. Would you have let him? Well, yeah, I okay. love. I mean, but so part of me, like with this movie, like the pedigree is, you know, in a lot of ways, like something I was really interested in. Like, but for me, it was like Anne Hathaway. I liked Anne Hathaway. She had been in a bunch of stuff, and I was like, well, she's a person that I like. You know, I don't really, I don't really have a connection to a lot of actors. Um, I, I find like the acting profession kind of not one that I, I've never been like a fanboy or something like that. That just got really like aside from like Thor Birch when I was eighteen years old. Um, I've not really like fallen in love with anybody. But like you know, I can kind of watch Ryan Gosling do anything. I can really Anne Hathaway has a kind of a pass forever. Um, there are certain people like that, but it's really, it's really, really small. And they're usually attached to like having seen things that were, you know, profound at the time, um, or whatever. Um, Bill Irwin being in a movie though, a Jonathan Demme movie was like a big deal for me. That just kind of like, I was like, oh, I love fucking Bill Irwin. This is going to be really cool to see him like a dramatic movie. Um, what, what made you love Bill Irwin? Uh, he's, I, I, I. So this movie is really interesting in that Bill Irwin and Anna Devere Smith, who plays his uh, second wife, Carol, are both like performance artists. They're both these like spoken word. They're like monologuists. Bill Irwin doesn't do a lot of monologues, but he's he's a theater actor. He's a solo theater actor who does, you know, he's Mr. Noodle 
on Sesame Street. Yeah, that's um, where I knew him from. But beyond that, I'm just, you know, those two people, um, Spalding Gray, Eric Bogosian, um, a, a big bunch of those spoken I got really into, like, the spoken word things, so into the, to the New York performance art, like, scene. So those were those were kind of um, big people. And Devere Smith is part of that um, as well, I don't th- although I'm not sure she's, like, a New York person, per se, but I could be wrong about that, and it's not super important. Um, but this movie had a pedigree, and the fact that it was a Jonathan Demi movie um, didn't didn't hurt anything. You know what I mean? We're both we're both Demi people. We both got a couple of Demi flicks on our list. One, two, one. Uh, God. Is that I... one the is your other one Demi or is it the? I, I thought I had the original. Oh no 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 no! That's the original. The original. Okay, so, so you have one. one. I um, do love his remake. Right. Spoilers. <laughs> We're talking about the original Philadelphia. The ori- so it's a Philadelphia story, right? It's a yeah. Philadelphia's it's a remake of Philadelphia story. So leading up to getting married, when I watched this movie, I was just like, "Oh man, I wish my I wish my wedding could be just like this fucking wedding, man. So loose, so full of music. Everyone seems like they're hammered. Bill Irwin is there. Um, it's just you know." It's just awesome. It just seems so awesome. And my wedding was kind of not exactly like it, but it was kind of like it, it was a loose. You know, our rehearsal dinner was at my parents' house. I drank a ton of Newcastle. I took my. It was on Halloween. We had the rehearsal dinner, so people were trick or treating. The house was just like full of people. It wasn't like official or anything like that. It was just a cool time. I took my cousin to a haunted house that was like around the corner. Um, it was a cool time. The wedding was the same thing. The wedding was like a really laid back affair. Um, you know, it's a bunch of people there, but we just, you know, had a bunch of beer. We had some good alcohol, good food. Um, I wasn't invited. I didn't know you. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and it was, you know, it, it was, uh, you know, it had its moments that I suppose were like Rachel getting married. Asking, like, I wasn't sad that it wasn't more like Rachel getting married, but Rachel getting married definitely seemed like the pinnacle of like the wedding experience. Um, and I suppose on one level, on like a really surface level, that's the reason that Rachel getting married probably was like starting to do its work while I was while I was watching it. But the thing that always gets me about this movie and the thing that I really can't stop thinking about and like commiserating with and feeling bad about and empathizing with and just, you know, wondering how you do something like this in in a movie is um when you look at the character of Kim. So Kim is played by Anne Hathaway. Uh she is uh had a lot of problems with drugs and alcohol and she um was responsible for killing her brother when she was 16. Um, you know, she gets out of rehab to go to her sister Rachel's wedding. Rachel is played by Rosemary DeWitt. Their mother is completely, perfectly uh, played by Deborah Winger. I mean, whoever idea that, that this was, like this family, is just a fucking genius. Um, yeah, those core four just work in and, every way. Uh, Rachel is getting married to Sydney, played by uh, Tunde Adabimbe. Um, who we've mentioned before on this thing from TV on the radio. And um, uh, he, he seems like weirdly perfect. He uh, seems like he, maybe not like well, from Tundana Wimpy. He was in, um, she dies tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't connect that. Maybe is that perfect. Maybe from like an acting chops, like perspective. He's perfect. From, there's a real chemistry though. There's a chemistry and it seems like the life, it seems like he would live a life that would include all of these people. And have that looseness, right? It. So, it, and it's so we talk about 
you talk about perfect casting and and I I think this is coming up a lot in my life. I've been thinking about this a lot in my life in regards to Chadwick Boseman's casting in The Five Bloods, where it wasn't so much about acting. It was about um, being like he needed someone that could specifically need someone that could just be him without having to like do anything that you could just buy it by looking at him. And I think Tunde Bimbe kind of, kind of, it's that same kind of thing here. You know what I mean? Like his, his laid back attitude, his like laconic nature and stuff like that. Not that he's, he's not talking a lot. He's not doing a lot, but he just, he seems like he fits so well into this life and that all these people fit around him. Um, it's just so perfect. It's, it adds to this, like, I don't know, this big, Remember in... Is this is like... Is this his first... This has to be like one of his earliest roles, I think. Mm. Oh, check it out. You got the it command is, center. It is one of his earliest roles, yeah. This is why we have a command center, Mario. For this exact thing. It is... I can look up stuff easier. Yeah, yeah. And with your great computer typing sound. Um... So there's a lot of things going on in this house that have nothing to do with the wedding and have a lot to do with Kim and her problems and her, um, you know, her guilt and everyone else's, you know, how they deal with her and what she expects of them and what they're willing to give her. Um, you know, Rachel is uh, resentful and hurt and kind of broken by, like, Kim's travails. Um, whereas in... Um, their father is, you know, just kind of defends Kim. You know what I mean? He's like, just, he just lets her do whatever she wants. He's always trying to include her. He's probably trying to make her feel good. Um, Carol is there as, you know, I, I think Anna Devere Smith, I wish she got, uh, Smith, I wish she got to do more here. Um, but I think she's in the same way. She works as like a, a silent heart to the film where you look at her and you're like, Where you look at her and you're just like, she's, you can count on her for stuff. Everyone can count on her, like, in their different roles and their different ways. Um, but I, the reason I think this movie is so great, and it's shot in, like, and there's, like, technical stuff, too. And we can, I guess, suppose we can talk to that. There's, like, the very, the documentary style. Yeah, the, the, the camera stuff. Um, the way that the music is just, like, it's not a, a recorded score. It's actually happening, like, on set like while they're doing stuff you know that moment that you heard at the end of the trailer when they're like telling the guys to shut up like actually happened they were like shut the fuck up we're trying to do this um then you know so they were playing they're just playing all over the house you know robin hitchcock shows up to do the (laughs) to do the wedding and just plays songs out in the wedding and he's like you know he said um and robin hitchcock is someone i respect he's not like a huge fan but i respect him he said like it felt like a wedding like you didn't know that you were at like you were filming a movie, it just felt like you were you were at a wedding. And then we, but that just gets me to Kim. So you have this, you have this situation where this house, this little section of the universe, is literally fucking bursting with love. Everyone's like talking about love. Bill Irwin's saying awesome stuff about you know, being a member of our family and like, you know, everyone's kissing each other and hugging each other and they, everyone's got kind things to say about everybody. Um, and even when Kim and Kieran, um, who is the best man, they, they, they kind of see each other at, a, at an AA meeting and all those people are talking about 
they're talking about love too and not, maybe not like love but like this is how you break through and this is how you get the work done and you don't get any of that sharing that, that she does like the really explicit like this is what happened in my life and this is what I did and here's like the really specific terrible thing that I drink and take drugs to kind of get rid of um, until she does it and then this this so this movie is just fucking bursting, man. You know what I mean? To the point where that when when they're getting married and, and Tunita Dimpe like turns to her and just starts singing Neil Young's unknown soldier unknown legend to um to uh Rachel, you know, as part of his vows. And it's just it's so full up the movie just feels like it's gonna explode. But the genius of this movie is that Jonathan Demi and Jenny Lumet have made it so that none of this is available to Kim because of like everything that has happened to her and everything she's done and everything that she's been through. It's there's just this wall up that she can't touch and she can't fucking get near it. And she kind of does at the end a little bit, but it is one of the great emotional feats that I've ever encountered in, in film where they're just like, look at everything that these people have and feel what these people feel and that's what the great thing about this movie is that like you can literally feel you can feel that love through the screen and I think it's because of all that stuff because of the music because of the cinema style because of the acting because of the fucking genius casting um everything um but like she just can't she just can't get there and then people try to take it from her you know when she's when it seems like she could maybe get it they just fucking grab it away from her and and just say like no it's not it's fucking not for you it's for us you don't deserve to have any of it you killed you killed our brother you know what i mean and it's just so it's just so profound and so deep and so crazy i just and i can't get over it and it's one of those things where i i don't even have to watch the movie to get i mean i've seen the movie a bunch of times but i don't even have to watch the movie to kind of get back into the space more like I can just think about that feeling and that's not a film thing and I think that's one of the reasons I respond to this movie so much what I'm describing is not something that I think film does really well because they don't have to make you feel anything because they could just show it to you you know um look at that person's face is sad it's a sad face you know there's there's sad music happening it's maybe it's raining maybe the color palette's a little drab there you know what I mean it's more of a novel Zach Braff playbook the Zach Braff playbook yeah, um, listen to the shins. That's how you know what mood the shins are in. Um, no, that's like a novelistic approach. You know what I mean? Where they're using metaphor, where they're using imagery and symbolism to kind of convey an overall feeling and a sensation from watching the movie. It puts you almost in that place and you want to just kind of reach out and slap Kim and, and hug her. I mean, that's the Deborah Winger slap fight that she has uh is really short and i don't think it needs to be longer but it's like i didn't expect you to kill him was one of like the great film revelations i think Mm. you know or at least one of the great mom daughter film revelations um why did you let me have him and she just berates her until she's like oh i didn't fucking expect you to kill him and then she slaps her then that's fucking great um but yeah i love it and it's one of it's just it's a it's a pure cinematic experience and you know, Jonathan Demi, I think, is famous for doing a couple of things um, really well and making a certain kind of movie. And Rachel Getting Married really doesn't 
really seems to be um, not like one of those movies. It's like a liberal fever, like fever dream in a while. And he's a super liberal anyway. So, but um, you know, his his was he's dead. No, but he's you know he's you know people are dead, but they're still around. Um, but yeah, it's, I, and I it's one of those movies where. Uh, I suppose doesn't have like a natural attachment to. Uh, I didn't learn anything from it, like about myself. But it feels like something that I went through, even though I didn't, because the filmmaking is so good and so powerful, and the experience is kind of so profound. Um, but yeah, so you saw it in two thousand eight. Yeah, two thousand had to be two thousand nine. I saw mm. it um, really quickly. Three films were dedicated to Jonathan Demi's memory after he died, mm-hmm. and they are all podcast movies, like big podcast movies. What's that? What's a podcast Vo- movie? Like like big episodes for us. Oh, so like Vox Lux. Ooh, yeah. Suspiria and Phantom Thread were all dedicated huh. to his memory. It's a good, it's a good trio of films that have dedicated to your memory. Yeah, to me. Um, yeah, no. So when I saw this originally, I was, I was. Like, like, pure and simple, I, I'm, a, I'm a Demi guy. Um, the movie Silence of the Lambs, that's going to be on my list. Um, you know, really sets the tone for film watching. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, 91 really sets the tone. So it's actually a good, good mm-hmm. thing to talk about because the movie I will talk about next and Silence of the Lambs um, really set the dial in the, how I feel about film. Um, Chainsaws are out today. Yeah. Um, You know, so like Philadelphia, his his adaptation of Manchurian Candidate, um, and this were, were things I was really closely hewed to, and it was it was nice, especially in Rachel getting married, to see this. You have these hallmarks of the Demi that you no longer they you know are gone from mm-hmm. this, um, and it creates a, 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 it escapes the em- deliberate emotional affect that he has in his other films, mm-hmm. and it creates this loose emotional state. And what I actually found myself now doing, though, on a rewatch, and I've always had like an intellectual connection to it. I don't have as much of a, I don't have as a closely hued emotional feeling with this film as I do with Silence, Manchurian Candidate, somehow, um, and to a lesser degree, Philadelphia. But what I noticed when I watched this is I realized that this movie feels like for me, as I've watched more movies, it works really well as a companion piece with Melancholia. Mm. It feels so much like a Von Trier movie to me. Except less except, sad. No, no, except for the fact that it is told through the view of somebody who has, um, you know, a mixture with, with Jenny Lumet and Jonathan Demi, people who have um, a solid grasp on, I hate to say it, but, be, but two people who, who, who seem... Ha- that want to be alive? They, they, yeah, it seems as though they, they have a, a, a not misanthropic view on the world. Um, so while they present really raw problems that aren't resolved, you know, mm-hmm. you know, Abby will never forgive Kim. Um, right. But there's the door opens for Rachel and Kim, and there's, there's, there's that possibility of hope, but still there's a lot of work to be done. And mm-hmm. you never know if Kim's going to get where she could be as a regular person, mm-hmm. but there's a hope that she could like touch it, you know, mm-hmm. get to it. Um, so there's a real rawness and 
no shying away from the emotion of how that feels mm-hmm. you know it's not necessarily like the von Trier style would be to show all the like the rawness in a very visceral way um but both of these films work because they're so raw like i think these films work together because they're so raw and emotional state it's a stripping away of people um you know and, and, and you know there's a lot more manneredness in melancholia versus versus this which is very naturalistic, but there's there's just such a stripping away of all pretense in both that make them feel so indelibly sincere in mm-hmm. the way in which they exist. That 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 bathing scene is just well, one of one of the more solid scenes in Melancholia. I thought was always like the truest expression of whatever Lars von Trier had, was feeling when he made that oh, triumvirate I, of movies. I, I agree. And if, I think we might have even talked about a little, a little bit about this when we were making we were talking about Antichrist. Is that between Antichrist, Melancholia, like and Andy Christ? Andy Christ, yeah. Um, between the <laughs> that'd be a, that'd be a good Adam Sandler film. Andy, Andy Christ. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. Um, Get the Dero in there playing God. <laughs> Kaitel back as Devil. <laughs> Netflix once again open for business. Now, would the Harvey Kaitel's voice be dubbed? I'm assuming, yeah, right. Even even if he's not speaking like a weird, we also we also get CGI Rodney Dangerfield. Oh, good. Yeah. Did Peter Cushing? We can do Rodney. Rodney. Oh man, Litter and Nikki was so fucking terrible. That uh, movie was so bad. I really quickly we'll get back on point, but it's I was seeing fine. a Facebook post about like Adam Sandler today at some Connecticut eatery, and the first topic is like, I'm glad Adam Sandler's kept his voice out of the political views, blah, blah, blah. He's kept it all to himself. Mm-hmm. And I just get to enjoy his great films, such as, and the very first film mentioned, <laughs> Jack and Jill. <laughs> no, it'd be funny if they're like, <laughs> Jack and Jill, Little Nicky, and the Ridiculous Six. Little Nicky was, was another film Oh, jeez. Like, I don't think Happy Gilmore or Billy Madison was not named on that. Well, he said like... Big Daddy, which I guess is critically well-received, but it's a garbage heap. I enjoyed Big Daddy knowing that it was terrible. I think it's yeah. Rob Schneider's best Sandler movie. Mm, I still like Waterboy. Yeah, I think Waterboy is... So I think Waterboy is a travesty is, against... Wait, like, I think it is too, but I think everything. it's Rob... Is Adam Sandler in Deuce Bigelow, Mayo Gigolo at all? No, I, it's, I'm, I'm saying that it's... Unironically love Deuce Bigelow, Mayo Gigolo. Yeah, that's weird. It's a good movie. Is it a good movie? It's it's fun. It's fun. It's a It's a... Better than what? Better, better than Big Daddy? Yeah, I, I like it. I prefer it to Big Daddy. But um, no, back to the point is, is the fact that I agree and the fact that there's a real... It, this is raw. This feels... This makes a good sister film also with, like stop making sense in the sense that like... In the fact that like they're just both so raw and off the cuff. Mm. It Like to me was so mannered. To me it's such... A tight grasp on that say, lens. Um, yeah, that I would say it's interesting because he used his go-to move for like I don't know twenty years was this kind of alienation through perspective. So you got that full-on like almost fourth wall breaking Basically, cam yeah, yeah. that he used to just uses all the time for everything. But the movies that he makes, it sometimes works. You know what I mean? Like, these people are looking right at you. They're looking right through the camera. Literally almost at the, like, they're like almost like there's like another screen behind wherever you're watching it. And Tom Hanks is talking to Denzel Washington. You know what I mean? Um, 
Jodie Foster is talking to Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, um, where it's like that, like where that, you're, no, like no, no, you're, no, you're between them that. somehow. You know what oh, I mean? God, and you're what, so. What the, hell, what the hell was her name? Um, Clarice Starring's uh, like coworker, Cassie Lemon. Is that the actress? Oh, oh the it's Cassie Lemon. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, like when her and Cassie Lemons are talking to each other, like that's such solid fucking filmmaking because you believe that conversation, like Cassie Lemons, like facial reactions during but all it's that. But it's so intense. We'll talk about that, don't right. worry. But it's so intense because... That's not on your list, right? We already did it. Oh, right. And it was another one of those... Jesus. My number whatever is Silence of the Lambs. We'll be right back with Mario's number whatever. <laughs> um... No, because the those move those scenes are so intense because it feels like they're talking over your head, mm-hmm. and that you are there in that room with them having that conversation, and you just kind of can't keep up. So there's like a detachment from the viewer, while what's happening on screen is super mannered. So she directed never, Harriet. Yeah, I did not know any of that. So it never feels like, um, it never doesn't feel like a film, but it feels like a film that you've weirdly kind of been like you're like a part of somehow and it's a thing and i think it's used to the same effect in a lot of those movies so in silence of the lambs it's used to make you kind of complicit in whether or not you know the trajectory of clarice and and lecture's relationship you know what i mean where like you also kind of like him you know what I mean? You're involved in this just as much as she's involved in this. And you don't know how you feel either. And it's, you know, in uh, Philadelphia, I think it's used to even, it's used to a more pertinent effect in the sense that he's saying, Tom Hanks, when you're looking at Tom Hanks's character, Demi is saying, you see him. You can't not see him. If you're watching this movie, you see him. Um, if you avert your eyes, you're not watching the movie anymore. So you're you're watching. It's making a commentary on the way that like we treated AIDS like yeah, for, years, for and sure. years and years and years and years. That's that's gone in Rachel getting married. But he's doing the same thing. He's putting you inside that room. You know what I mean? With this person who is you're not in the shoes anymore. You're now not like in a the shoes. You're like you're like there, and you're also not involved anymore, except for the fact that you aren't picking her up. And I think that's the the genius of this movie, and I think this is where and it, this is why Anne Hathaway will always get a pass for me, even when she's you know fishing for Oscars, making you know Les Misérables, um, which is she kills that song you know for whatever it's worth, um, but uh, that you know we don't need to talk about that. I think they really liked giving uh, best a- supporting actress Oscars to women who sang for a few years like, with like the Jennifer Hudson thing and that um, doesn't matter. Not Amy Adams. Not Amy Adams. No. Um, Amy Adams, I feel like, is going to be one of those women that never wins an Oscar. Like, she's just never going to be in the right movie. She'll be amazing and stuff, and they'll always be like, well, yeah, you know, I don't know. Laura Linney, probably, too. Where she's just, you know, she's just never going to be there. Oh, Laura Linney, for sure. She's never going to get be in the right movie at the right time and to get that Oscar. Maybe when she's 80 or something, and she, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, it's a weird, it's a weird, it's, it's, it's weird how he shifted his filmmaking style and kind of accomplished roughly the same thing, which was putting you in an emotional position within the context of the film. Um, and then asking you, so, and, and asking you to participate in it, where in like those other movies, your participation was just being there. Now you're asked to make a choice almost. You know what I mean? Is it, do you agree with Rachel that, 
you agree with Rachel or do you agree with her father? Do you agree with um, um, Abby or are you like, you know, more of a Carol person where you're just kind of taking everything as it comes and, and trying to just, you know, pick people up as they fall down and stuff like that? Or are you just, you know, I'll never get over what you did. You know what I mean? They're putting all that, he's putting all that onus on you while sticking you in the middle of like a wedding celebration. It's just, it's, it's a, it's like a really fascinating movie and I think it doesn't get enough play and I'm not sure how well it's remembered by anybody. Um, but I, I remember it and it like, it's just stuck with me. It's going to stick with me forever. So you think the reason you connected so profoundly to it was just because you're in similar circumstances? I don't, like at the time. So it kind of like, because the me does such a great job of, of putting you in that third party role and given the circumstances in your life you were at in terms of getting married, I, I don't think know. that's like what gets you closer. We've to had it. this conversation a bunch of times in regards to a bunch of different kinds of movies and like the mo- the, the types of movies that are on your list that aren't on my list and vice versa. And so this is one of these things that Vice like, isn't on my list. Vice, yeah. It's not on my list either. Uh, I'm sure there's a movie called Versa 2 that we should be including, and there's <laughs> Versa's not on my list either. Versa just made it. <laughs> that is it. Um, it's a Tom DeLonge movie. Oh. I was just watching the newest episode of The Great British Breaking Show, and they were asked to make... So it's a quor- like they're quarantining on, like, in the, the wherever they're making The Great British Breaking Show. Isn't it outside? Yeah, but, like, so they usually go home. Mm. in between like bakes they'll go home for a week and then they'll come they'll do it on the weekends um but now they're everyone's just quarantined at wherever they're doing it um no that's not what i was saying i'm talking i'm making a tom de point so they had to make their their final bake uh they had for cake week they had to make a cake bust of their their hero okay and someone made a tom de cake bust for his music or for his UFO opinions? No, just for in general. His hero was Tom DeLonge and he made a cake cake head out of him. How's Mark feel about that? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, poor. How's, how's Travis, Travis feel about care. that? He doesn't care. Um, he survived a car crash. Or whatever he survived. I think it's just being live at this point for Travis Barker. Um, every day is a car crash room. Um, oh, we might hear it from two people. Um, I don't think so. I think. I mean, I think yes. I think that it opened the door for me to kind of get inside this movie. But I think more accurately, it depicts um, a person's pain when confronted by people who aren't in the same kind of pain and maybe don't have the capacity to understand your pain so where you feel like so it's a self movie for me you know ultimately where it's about a person who thinks that their pain is so special and so specific that nobody else can understand it and therefore it becomes like the the sun in the solar system of existence you know what Do I mean? all lovers feel like they're inventing something sort of moment yeah <laughs> sure um that was good uh yeah, yeah, maybe, but it's just, it's not a lover thing. It's just like a one person. Oh, just, you mentioned. Yeah, 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 that, no, that's uh... what I mean. It's like, but it's, they do feel like they're inventing something. She feels like she fucking is the only one who's allowed to feel sad for killing her brother. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that she's earned that right because she, she was in that car when she skin. fucking drowned. Yeah. You know what I mean? She could put it on her skin. And nobody else is allowed to feel anything. And so, therefore, when she goes to a, she, when she's in an experience where people are feeling something, um, else she's doesn't know so everyone makes it seem like when she gives that speech that like she's just trying to take take the moment from rachel but she's not trying to take the moment from rachel she doesn't know what else to feel she can only feel things about like this 
Because she hasn't learned how to feel anything yet. And the thing that's nice, too, is it's also this nice kind of reaching out of empathy. Uh, mm. Of trying to, like, con- like being so blockaded over everything that she'll say these things, like, even her fabrications or whatnot. Like, yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. a real attempt. Well, that's a tough scene, yeah. yeah. But it's a real attempt to, like, reach out with a feeling. Which mm-hmm. I like about this. Is like A lot of this is, like, a person who's severely traumatized trying to express their emotional state in a completely sh- shitty way out- from an outside perspective. Yeah. But eternally it's done without malice. Right, and I think that's why, why Anne Hathaway is so great in this movie. And I actually think it's a bummer that she didn't win that year. But it doesn't matter. I don't want to talk about Oscars. She's so great in this fucking movie because she conveys that perfectly where she's trying really, really, really hard. She just doesn't know what else to do. This is literally all she thinks oh, about. That this is, is a- that's a real bummer. What is it? What is this? What is two thousand eight? It's not the reader, is it? Is that the this is the reader year? It is the reader. Yeah, oh, that was terrible. Unless Aaliyah was good in Frozen River, though. Those are two solid performances. Yeah, but like, Kate Winslet getting a uh, like a legacy Oscar is a bad is a bad look. Yeah, she's like, she was so young when she got it. Why did she get a legacy Oscar? I don't know. 43. The reader is so no, bad. 33. She was 33 in that movie. And yet Laura Linney will never win one. The reader's fucking garbage. Oh, the reader is so, ter- <laughs> so terrible. It makes me... I mean, I'm sorry. We did it. Um, you, said, you said we're not going to an Oscar thing, but we, we're, in it. we're, we're forced in it to. Um, but I love this. I, I think this... I love this movie. I love this... Daldry. Yeah. Ugh. I love this movie on from its pure cinema standpoint. It makes me feel something very specific. I can understand it intellectually, like you said, but it also puts this really uh, intense feeling in my chest. And I think that's, I think that's, it's so high because I think I just think it's so perfect. Um, it's not higher because it doesn't have that specific like specificity in terms of um, educating me about myself, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of the stuff going forward really does. So. Yeah, I, yeah. As we get further into the top of this list, I really realize I fucked up my list. You think so? Yeah, we'll talk about that soon. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, we will be right back. You good? No, no. Are you. I'm. I'm good. Okay. You good? No. I mean, that's that's an entirely separate story. <laughs> for the podcast's um, sake, yeah, I'm fine. Pivotal, the next iteration of this podcast is just you, me, showing up here on a certain day and asking film, you how you feel. Pivotal I, film estrangement. It's just asking you how you feel. So, Mario, how do you feel? I'm getting through it. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. You usually say welcome back during these moments. Welcome back. And I don't. You know why? Why? I don't give a fuck about our listeners. <laughs> You shouldn't be listening. Yeah, I Make just, a better decision. Tom likes the fact that you listen. I just am here to drink. And <laughs> That's bullshit. why I'm here. I don't care if anybody listens. I just want to drink and bullshit too. Yeah, stop listening to us, you fucks. They're just Quit. like they're like we want to. <laughs> we're, we're released. <laughs> we're released. <laughs> uh, Speaking of, and here's a here's a magic mirror, so you can see this. My number sixteen this week was released in 1991, and. Is the film that started that started the obsession with film, as it were. It is that movie that I put into the VCR every Saturday and watched over and over and over again. 
Um, did you see it in theaters? I did not. Okay. I did not see this in theaters. But more than the movies I did see in theaters during that time, the Batman movies, like Batman and Batman Returns, this was the one I always had to come back to. I don't know why. It just it spoke to me on a on a weird level. It's just it it the music is is incredible in it, but uh, uh some of the, some of the visuals are are incredible, but there's something inherent about this tale of toxic romance <laughs> that just clawed its way like a wolf into this arm of a beast into me um and this film and the film which will be way later wait not even way later now like in 10 episodes dude it's fucking my shit up the um, fact that we're almost done with this list is like ruining my life somehow i have to re- just redo the list after I know. This. Oh, that'd be cool just top 100 unpivotal films the after films, we finish the 100 films we've seen that we forgot we saw <laughs> Oh, yeah. No be... God Part 2? I can't make it, because I remember I saw that. Pivotal um, Greg Kinnear films. I mean, all of them. Uh, but this is the movie that, that started the thing of which I realized I love movies. And that is the Best Picture nominated, but lost to a better, much better film, Beauty and the Beast. Walt Disney Pictures presents its all-new 30th full-length animated motion picture. Is anyone here? Mama, there's a girl in the castle. Good. A girl. The classic story of Beauty and the Beast. He was a lonely beast, cursed by a mysterious spell. And she was the beautiful young girl who could set him and his kingdom free. She's the one. She has come to break the spell. They were two complete opposites. Anything to do with him. She is being so difficult. Until something wonderful happened. There's something sweet. Straighten up. And almost kind. Show me the smile. But he was mean and he was coarse and unrefined. And now he's dear. You look so... And so unsure. Stupid. I wonder why I didn't see it there before. It's a story filled with fun. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I beg your pardon. Adventure. Sacre bleu. Invaders! And dozens of wonderful new Disney characters. Keep it down. Featuring six new songs from the Academy Award-winning composer and lyricist of The Little Mermaid. This holiday season, share the fun, the magic, and the music of an entertainment event you'll never forget. Disney's Beauty and the Beast. Uh, my favorite trailer from the movie Scrooge, right there. Uh... <laughs> Wait, so did you see Scrooge in theaters? I was like one year old when that came out, I think. Wait, when, yeah, when did Scrooge come out? Like 88. Oh, okay. Somebody was two. Uh... We know Beauty and the Beast. I'm not going to run through it. Um, I don't know why this digs its claws into me. How old were you, do you think, when you first saw it? 
I was five years old. Okay. I saw this in early 92. So it was like the first release of the clamshell, you were, your parents got it for you, right? No, they got it for themselves. Oh, My okay. mom got it for herself, um, okay. but I just was the one that got connected to mm-hmm. it. Um, okay. I mean, it wasn't, the, it's not the earliest either. The earliest I remember is Little Mermaid. The Little Mermaid's just fine, though. Mm. Uh, from an animation standpoint, from a plot standpoint, from a music standpoint, Little Mermaid's fun. I think Little Mermaid is fucking garbage. Forgettable. Yeah. I think it has a good villain. I think that's why I, I forgive Little Mermaid. Ursula is a solid villain. Um, the thing I realized from a young age, though, with, with Beauty and the Beast was none of the songs don't work. All the songs it's true. work. Excellently. The one song that almost fails to work is the one that wins best song, original song. Beauty and the Beast is actually the one, you know, like, Angela Lansbury's, she's, that's her singing guy, I have to mm-hmm. assume. It's the, it's the closest you ever get to a song not working in that film. Well, only because it carries literally zero narrative weight. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's not funny. Right. And, and the thing about this film that I think I attach myself to is, um, and, you know, I don't know the song names by her, but Gaston. Mm-hmm. The Gaston song, still today, like when I was five years old and now at 317 years old, <laughs> um, that song is hilarious, you know. And, and, it's, and a good, it's, it's a good it's, song, it's yeah. second refrain of, you know, I've been having a thought, a da- you know, a, a very dangerous proposition or mm-hmm. whatever indeed. You know, all of, it's just, it's still funny. Like, they're like, as a young boy, I ate, you know. Four dozen eggs to get large. Mm-hmm. And now as a grown man, I eat five dozen eggs. And now I'm... For the size of large. large. It's just... It's it's perfect. I've always loved them, especially good at expectorating. Yeah. And then I use antlers in all of my decorating. It's also a very good... Yeah, they're, they're, they're fun. Good lyrics, yeah. They're fun, goofy rhymes. Um, Be Our Guest is great. And I think that attaches it to me. But what also attached it to me at a young age was just, just the... The performances. Um, from... Jerry Orbach, especially, and, and David Ogden Steers, you know, for a five-year-old, Lumiere and Cogsworth are just, like, mm-hmm. two of the most yeah. brilliant side characters. The reason this is on my list where it is, though, is, is beyond the fact that it shapes my attachment to film. It is the film that makes me like movies. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a pretty big deal. I think it also did a real number <laughs> on shaping what I thought romance is. Okay. And, you know, I, I think I think maybe this is a lot, oftentimes the issue a lot of people say with, like, the Disney films is mm-hmm. that, like, it gives young girls um, the, the incorrect idea of love and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And that's true, because this movie is fucked up by a wide and large margin mm-hmm. from its affect of what romance is. The Beast sucks. Gaston sucks. Belle has her issues um, in the terms that she's just a real asshole to her townsfolk. That baker enjoys being a baker. His life is perfectly fine. If you want to go off and do something else, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and for her to to 
sing about this wanting something more, wanting a life of adventure, but then just being kind of okay with having a big library and a prince and possibly no adventure. Mm-hmm. Like, it sounds like maybe he's going to be mm-hmm. fine. The Beast is going to be fine with her going out, but, you know, we really don't get any hints of that. Um, there's, there's significant issues with that. There, a, a better movie, a 2020 Beauty and the Beast that gets rid of all the pretenses of this has her admitting her love for the beast, him being freed of the cursed, then going like, but, like, my life's out there, and the beast going like, yeah, that's cool, thank you for helping me become a human being. <laughs> that's the better movie. Or, my life's out there, okay, I'll, you know, give up my castle and I'll come live in your stupid little hut or whatever. Uh, no, you know, no, because I think, I think he's, he's, all, he's, he's already been such, like, a, a shit from the beginning that I don't think... I don't think she could truly, like, want to... I just can't believe a world in which she well, wants to spend the rest I mean, of her life. I don't really want to in- interrupt you, but my own problem with, like, the, the backstory here has always been the idea that, you know, there's a beggar woman and he's mean to the beggar woman and he's just like, if you don't find romantic love, then you're going to stay a beast forever. It's like, how do you equate being mean to a beggar woman with romantic love? And that's what I thought. I, I thought, like, it would have been... It's a much better ending if she's like, I love you as a person. But I'm not in love with you. Mm-hmm. Like, I love you because you're a good person who's a great friend. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what the bigger one wanted. I mean, obviously the Enchantress is fucked up because she's like, all these other people also get the curse. Yeah, relax, she's, Enchantress. She's a real fucking asshole, so fuck her. Um, but the thing I, I realize over the years is like, I feel as though some films get into your DNA. Yeah. And they, you know, they, they, they're like a virus. Maybe a bad choice of words right now. They're like a, um, you know, they're like a Robin Cook created uh, drug. It's like an Andromeda strain. Ro- yeah. That's a fucking Crichton thing. I'm talking about Robin Cook. When you go Robin Cook, I'm always going to go Crichton. Because he's better. I'm never, <laughs> I'm never going to say yes to Robin Cook. That's... That's a good campaign slogan. Um, <laughs> but it's like this artificial thing that rewrites your DNA. And watching this film over the years, I have to watch, I watch this movie at least twice a year. Still? Yeah. Um, I look at this now and realize that the way I look at like what love and whatnot could be, mm-hmm. I have this idealized virgin, a vir- virgin. Virgin. Where do you have that idealized virgin? <laughs> Where in the studio are you keeping? Six floors down. <laughs> Lawrence, are you there? Oh, poor Lawrence Cassidy. Um, no, if he but... ever gets a whiff of this show, we're fucking dead. Well, you know what? I think he's a good enough. He's, he's going to show up in the fucking skylight with like a, like a just fucking in. rifle and just drop kick both of us. <laughs> yeah. Or, I think he has good humor about it. That's why we pick on him. We think Lawrence Kasdan has good humor. I would love to know. Um, but I really looked at myself as Belle. Huh. You know, I, I saw this this idea of wanting this big life adventure and whatnot, but, like, finding this person I could fix. Hmm. Like, that if I could just find a person who was a good person on the inside, I could just mix and meld and mold them and fix them and fixing them I could like fix myself and it's crazy mm. and it's not something I know I truly want 
but it's always been like this. Is it a fetish? I don't know. A desire. No, 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 no. A desire. You know, like like the romanticized version in which I see love has is like a person who's cold and at and, and distant, and then through my interaction with them, they open up. You know, and, and, and eventually sparkles and magic and a giant library and a great 3D chandelier. Um, and the reason this this, this feels... It's, it's my number 16, but I feel like now it should be higher. Is like, there are very few films that have the profound impact on me. And, you know, like, well, I think one of the biggest things in my life, actually, has been, like, this pursuit of the ultimate end of love. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. I like I originally had these ideas like accomplishments and whatnot, but like this movie establishes beyond everything else that no matter what you want in life, the thing that matters the most is a wife or a husband. Mm-hmm. Like your thoughts of adventure and whatnot don't matter as much as having someone to share that with. And this movie did that to me. Mm-hmm. And this is like the, the, the impact of film in the especially at a young age. Um Luckily, Halloween, which we'll talk about in a few weeks, didn't have the same impact. It's no <laughs> But our, I, I, have, I have questions, and I ha- also have comments, and I think this is a really funny movie to kind of um, think big thoughts regarding. You know what I mean? Because, because they're all stupid to have. Well, it's just, I actually, I'm not sure that that's the case, because I think it's, we kind of talked a little bit about the dichotomy between your films and my films when we talked about... 16 and how we respond to films and what we're looking for films so i think it's really interesting that we've consistently gone to this place you and me in which i am looking for to solve my life through art i'm looking to solve my life through uh, hearing a record or reading a book or watching a movie and i feel i'll feel like i have solved some aspect of some unknown problem or unknown aspect of my life that I didn't necessarily know need solving but like this kind of incompleteness or this depression or this whatever that I just kind of carry around with me and have dealt with like for whatever however long and at various times and for whatever reason will be fixed by like seeing the right movie or reading the right book where what you're describing with Beauty and the Beast it almost seems like what you're saying is that like whatever similar thing you're carrying around if you could just find that one person do the work, you know what I mean? Like, get them dancing in a fucking computer-generated ballroom with Angela Lansbury singing to you, then you will be like, there it is. I'm good, you're good, we're good. Done. Perfected. All done. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's ladies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a... And it's expressed best through this movie, and that's, like, Fine. Because it's it like it's like a perfect articulation and 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 uh, of of your experience and if it whether or not that comes from from this or is like you know you have that historical biographical attachment to and then everything else like this movie's themes and stuff and its message links up with that thing that you've been carrying for a while. Um, I just I find this I find this track we're on as we get to 16, like, just fascinating. You know what I mean? As we kind of push through these films that were like, they're not 15 or 16 or 14 or 1 for no reason. 
You know what I mean? They're they're just not. We didn't make our we didn't construct either of our lists to just be like, you know what movie is fucking awesome? You know, Days of Thunder number 2 because it fucking rules. Spoilers. Ah, damn it. Our shared number 2. There's so much Michael Rooker in my top 10. So much. Season's over. <laughs> um but yeah, but it's just do is that accurate? Do you think? Do you, like is that no, fair? I th- I think that's I think that is fair. Um, so when you go back to this movie a couple times a year, are you? What are you doing? Are you watching it for like nostalgic purposes? Or are you kind of re-examining your current version of yourself through no, the lens of like I this thing it, that you know? I watch it for entertainment. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's definitely something where I've gotten far enough away from it. Um, intellectually mm-hmm. where it doesn't have as much it doesn't have that it doesn't blueprint itself into me and i'm not looking for something i'm mm. not like i don't that's like how i met your mother now for me how you met your mother now rewatches are now the beauty and the beast for 34 year old which Mario. aspect of how i met your mother the ted mosby stuff yeah this is the, the ted mosby stuff oh, Mario. blame yes. this movie for <laughs> all of that because ted mosby is like a sad, pathetic bell. Oh, Ted Mosby. That guy is tough. But he's not the reason I stopped watching. Neil Patrick Harris is the reason I stopped watching that show. Because of that character. Barney got... Josh Josh Radner right now is just fist pumping. Going, yeah! I got one. I got people one. People don't hate me. No, because the, uh, the Barney character just became a weird, gross parody of itself mm. and had no meaning anymore. He comes back um, near the end. And was awful. But comes back near the end, but... Continue. Um... You know, I, that I don't like Marshall. Why are we watching it? It's just, he feels fake. Nothing real about Marshall. Mm. Nothing. Um, no, I, so I watch it for this intellectual, re- not intellectual, for this entertainment reason now. Um, and no matter what, I'm always going to love Angela Lansbury. Uh, my grandmother was a huge Angela Lansbury fan from the early From Murder, She Wrote? Yeah. I watched a lot of Murder, She Wrote. Nice. Uh, Angela Lansbury still portrays my favorite villain in history. Who? We'll talk about it. Oh, okay. You know word. You know what I'm talking about now. The remake or the original? <laughs> to spoil that again. She's not in Die Hard 2. Oh, right. <laughs> I keep getting her and William Sadler mixed up. Her and William Sadler, you know, their, their career trajectories are so close. But, um, no, this film just spoke to a young Mario in a lot of ways. I don't know, even when I was a kid. Like I just was like, when you're and you're right. Like when when I'm married, or find find the one. It's all figured out. Mm. You know, then I can share my life and all the adventures. Like, I'm not even. Necess- I was never necessarily. I'm never interested in adventures, unless they could be shared. Mm-hmm. And like watching this, I'm really like now I can realize because I actually I haven't watched this in about like eight months, and you know I gone through some stuff in life recently that's made me reevaluate. Other stuff, um, different podcasts. Uh, that as that I realized, like, oh, like the potential I could see there is that Bell wants to have this adventure. They're not going to stay stuck in that castle, mm-hmm. and like that's what made, and that's maybe what I saw in it was mm-hmm. the fact that like she wants like that that shared experience. Um, she wants to, you know, her shitty song in the beginning. Um, is connected to the fact that she's looking for somebody because she's 
she's still a kid. Mm-hmm. She's looking for somebody who, which she kind of like shares a emotional state with, and then could have all those adventures with. Mm. And and I realized like like as horrible as it is, because everything about this film and the story is gross in a lot of ways except for her relationship with her father mm. I think that's like the best sort of I think that's a really healthy portrayed yeah. relationship like her father's like definitely like live your own life I still love having you around but he's definitely like be an independent <laughs> blah, whatever the relationship oh. between her and Maurice is great crazy old Maurice hmm? I quote that line all the time still um, is 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 perfect is is the one perfect relationship in this film i i cannot help but like look at this and go like oh like i see where my feelings on love and life took root mm. no i don't know i don't know how many of these films on, on your list you have that like has from childhood well one like so that we're going to talk about we haven't talked about yet okay but it's not about love that's the thing so it's about it's about I think the one like, thing we realize space. is a lot of my like movies all deal with like a lot of the most important movies of my list deal with like love. Uh yeah, I mean it's just one of these things that I I don't I can't speak to it. I've never um like you you got married. You I got lady. married. You, got, you, found, you figured it out early. Yeah, but I also didn't like so I was 26 when I got married, but I also didn't like I don't want to say value because that's the wrong word, and it'll, I feel like it'll get me into trouble. But I didn't, like, I wasn't, I didn't value relationships in the same way that, like, a lot it of other people did. It wasn't a driving sense of neurosis well, I just, <laughs> in I, comparison to me. When I found the right person, I would just, I would say, like, oh, you are the right person, which I did. But, like, when I hadn't found the right person, I was just like, well, all right. Like, I just didn't care. Like, mm. it wasn't like, I was like, wasn't like hunting for the right person. I was just kind of like, when she comes, I'll know. And then, which, you know, that'll be fine. Which is like, like, which like the one nice thing I'll say is like, in comparison, like the, the effect this film's had on me is like, I've, you know, been in relationships before where I've been like, this isn't it. Like, I still think I have a health, it hasn't created like an healthy sort of obsession or mm-hmm. need in me, but um, it's definitely kind of like colored the fantasy. Mm. It hasn't like colored like my actual relationship with the real world. Yeah, but it's colored the fantasy of it. Well, that's, so that's a, that's the really interesting thing, and we can kind of go back. And this goes back to what I said before, and, and deals directly with what you're saying now. Like my childhood thing has nothing to do with being around other people. It has something to do with being out in like a certain kind of weather, and like what being out in that weather sounds like and feels like and what it kind of what that stuff like brings up you know i mean there's like these sensual details that are i think are really important to my life now are you naturally introverted or extroverted i'm well so that's the thing i'm i perceive myself as i'm i am an introvert but i'm also someone who gets real i really like talking to people i really like um i i kind of like meeting new people making me uncomfortable at my birthdays while you argue in front of people that was, I think like everything's terrible. That was their fault. <laughs> that had nothing to do with me. Well, that fa- that person's favorite conversations. Oh, like... good. Um, yeah, that's her problem. Um, no, but I, like I like meeting new people. I also I I also don't need it. I like it, but I don't need it. I'm very very happy to just be 
alone by myself for long stretches of time without worrying about what anybody else is thinking. Relationships, I think, are hard for me in the sense that, like, I don't... Like, I'll have friends and, like, I'll really like that person, but I'm also just, like... What am I? What am I doing? Like I, I would. Part of me would rather just be sitting reading, than like having to go through the work of like reestablishing uh, like an acquaintance or something like that, and letting that develop into like a, a different kind of friendship. And that stuff has value. And I, I sometimes wish that it had more value to me. I actually feel like I've had a lot of experiences in my life, like in my childhood and in my early twenties, where I just didn't value my friendships with people enough. And I let those go, and I don't miss it. Like, I don't think I lost anything in my life because I did it. It just makes me feel bad. It makes me feel I feel it makes me feel like I'm a bad person because I'm not a better person. like does that does that make sense? Yeah, so then so that's like I didn't pursue keeping those relationships because I just close. knew like it's like a lot of people have like I have a cousin. I, I'm, my, I'm putting like twenty twenty three out as a as a deadline for our our friendship so i figure i figure at 2023 you're gonna be like i'm good if you showed up i'm done if you showed up at my house and you just were like what are you doing do you want to do something randomly i'd be like yeah i'm out you have kids can't do that no but if but that's my problem is that like people were doing that to me when i it was in my 20s and they would just be like i'm like oh we're gonna have bad you know we're gonna have band practice and then we'll eat food, and then at like two o'clock in the morning, I'll be like, "Now, what do you want to do?" And I was just like, "I want to fucking go home and watch a movie, or or read a book, or like listen to a record with the headphones on." That's it. That's what I. That's what I'm doing. I don't care what you're doing. What's well, interesting? That's interesting. We, we've lasted this long because I'm definitely like the type of like, let's keep doing something. But then I, at the very least, like I'm the type of person like when you like I'd go like, "Oh, this person's tuned out." Oh. I'm not tuned out. Like I'm gonna go. Like I'm gonna go home now. Well, like at two o'clock in the morning. Well, well, I don't think we've really spent much time no. together at two o'clock in the morning. You have children. But I think yeah, I've had children the whole time we've known each other. So it's never been an option where I'm just like, "What do you want to do now? You guys want to hit a diner at three a.m. Get some grilled cheeses." Well, that sounds going out at that point sounds sounds rough. Um, we're going to the place after this. Just so you know. All right. Hot. Yeah. Okay. okay. They're open till one. I'm gonna check to make sure they're open the one today. I just looked. Okay. It says okay. one. Okay. Yeah, I'm down. <laughs> uh, Munchies New Haven just opened up this past week. We'll take a sponsorship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll tell the 19 people from around the world that listen <laughs> every week about this place in New Haven. Seven people in the Netherlands. Um, no, but like, like it's interesting because I am that type of person who's like always. Wants to experience something with somebody else, like, yeah, and that's like the big difference between. Mm-hmm. I think it's with an interesting dichotomy between our lists mm. is the fact that like I'm very much a, I am drained by being by myself. Mm. I get enough time in my own head, and I'm like I, hate, and not because I I dislike my own head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just get bored. Yep. Because I, I pretty much in my own head have everything figured out. Mm-hmm. I guess, and, I, and that's not the right way of saying like introvert versus extrovert, but just like. I've had enough conversations with myself mm-hmm. in boredom now that I'm just like, I end up just watching Jack Septic Eye play Among Us when by myself, and I'm like, I don't need to watch that enough times. What is that? It's a video game, a uh, YouTube guy playing a video game. Oh, okay. I'm one of those people, ladies. Um, and 
There's, I mean, it's 2020, Mario. There's plenty of ladies who are also <laughs> that type of person. Oh, no, I'm not that person, though. Because, like, the second somebody, like, sends me a text message being like, hey, what's up? I'm like, nothing. Oh, my God, please help me. Right, so you're not like... So that's the thing. I, I suppose, like, to clarify, if I was watching whatever you just said and you texted me, like, do you want to do something? I'd be like, yeah, I'll do something. No, no, but I wouldn't just be like, like, no, I'm not going to go out because, like, my family's gone and I'm watching whatever it is that you just said that you were watching. But, like, no, but even regardless, like, well, yeah, and, like, you have your family and whatnot, but, like, um, if I'm by myself and, like, doing something I feel is productive by myself, mm-hmm. I will put that on the back burner oh, to wow. be around a person. Yeah, so I would just be like, no, I'm working. Yeah, like, unless it's, like, I'm actually working on a job that I have to do, which I never do because I work for the state. <laughs> it's not. It's your fault, state. I've asked you to give me more work. Um, like, unless it's something I'm obligated to do, I will always be like, yeah, I can get to that thing later. Mm-hmm. Like, I put people ahead of, like, everything. And, and I guess that's, like, why something like this responds to me, because it's, like, it is, like, she wants experiences, but she's definitely, Belle puts people, like, puts, her thing from the beginning is, I don't connect with these people. Yeah, and she I wants need connect. to connect. Yep. I need to connect with something. Well, it's out there in the world. And, so you she, know, it's unfortunate that's, like, it's this violent weirdo fuck in the beast. Um, but she's looking for somebody. Like, she's looking for somebody... Man, woman, friend, lover, blah, blah, blah. doesn't matter. She's looking for somebody to share her dreams with. What if Belle was... um... I think it would be great if she just ended up with, like, Lumiere. That would be so fucking sick. Like, the ending is, like... No, Cogsworth. She ends up, like... No, that's kind of boring. I think... I always kind of wonder... As a kid, I wonder end up with Chip. But it it made sense because I was... Chip has a kid. Oh, and I was like, man. No, what if Belle is like the... Because uh, uh, Chip's love... Fucking Chip's like love for her is so like pure. This is another thing I love about this movie. Chip is like obsessed with her. And it's so pure. Well, the Chip thing is weird because uh, Mrs. Potts is a grandmother and she has a son. Like they... F- she sounds like, like a grandmother and she looks like a grandmother. 1991 Angela Lansbury could fucking get it. She- but she, could she make a kid? <laughs> what if Belle... I'd well, try what's, my damnedest what's if the, she was willing. Uh, what's, um, I'm so glad she's still alive. Uh, I wish Angela Lansbury outlives all of us. I'm glad that like I can't think of this thing and that I can't finish my thought. The other girl in... The other woman in Portrait of a Lady on Fire. that come, The, pain, the me, artist. Yeah. What if Belle is like her? Marianne. Marianne, yeah. yes. <clears throat> what if she's like her? You know what I mean? And her adventures is like, she just keeps can't get she can't she can't get what she wants. And oh, so she goes to have these it's, adventures. It's nice you bring that up because we're gonna come back to being the beast when we talk about my number four. I just feel bad. Fire. I think it's something. Oh, what the hell? I'm <laughs> taking that out. Well, I mean, I just kind of like oh, I was like, it's funny. I, like my entire thing I said was like, oh right, I'm just mentioning the fact. That... Um. <laughs> And I think we pretty well insinuated. When I suppose, but I just one of the things I've always that's bummed me out about Beauty and the Beast is that she. I think to your point, where she's just like, the Beast seems like it's all she's ever going to know now. She's yes. going to know the Beast. She's trapped by the Beast, and then the Beast gets undone, and she's like, "Good enough, let's He's, do it." Yeah, and I think 
But what's her life like? She's so That's he's still sucks. living in that castle. She's not going anywhere. It's like she's gonna travel. Well, no, like, like the possibilities. Like you look at it and like say she's gonna travel. But the thing I think that sucks about it is like the beast is a douchebag, but he's not unrecoverable. But I think it, a better story. Like looking at this now, and I still appreciate the story is that like she is a step to him becoming a person. Right. You know, like. She's like, I can never be, like I said, be in love with you, but, like, I love you because I see the good in you, mm-hmm. but, like, this happened, mm-hmm. and you did this. Mm-hmm. Like, you were, you enslaved me. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, but, well, I know that's not you, right? but you it's that did enslave Enchantress, me. stained glass window Enchantress. Um, but, yeah, to that point, like, I think... The adventure part is the beast. Once he's just like a regular guy, where's the adventure? He's, he's just a nice guy. He's a, just an eleven-year-old, basically. That's, but that's what I mean. Like, so where's like? It's not, it's not like he's Dan Stevens. You know what I mean? She doesn't get to spend the rest of her life with Dan Stevens. She doesn't get to like roll some grenades down a diner. Oh, we have to find a gif of that and post it every day on our Twitter. <laughs> this is our reaction to it's literally. Tuesday, every... You know what that means? Oh, post debate reaction, Mario. <laughs> Pivotal films post debate reaction. Dan Stevens throwing <laughs> grenades. Oh, it's so good. It works for everything. If we could ever get, if we had a choice of three people on this podcast, I hold up four fingers. If we had a choice of three <laughs> people on this podcast, it'd be Lawrence Kasdan, yep. Dan Stevens, and then somebody else. Hmm. But we know two of them. It doesn't matter who the third person is because we know two of those people. Yeah, who else would it be? We don't think about this. But we will do it off air. Yeah. Um, when we're eating our garbage subs. Garbage subs in the sense of, like, they put everything in that I, sub. My favorite thing about looking Munchies. at that menu... Munchies 203. ...was that everything has Fritos on it. The top, Our Cheetos. The topper of every sandwich is Fritos. Our Cheetos. Yeah. Our Funyuns. Our f- what has Funyuns? Which one has Funyuns? I don't know. But that's why I said garbage sandwiches. Because, like, I think they know. But, no, um... Yeah, this this just just this this really spoke to me. But I want to end on a new revelation. Mm-hmm. Gaston. No one fights like him. But he's presented as a nincompoop, as Enola Holmes might say. Um, oh, yeah. A real dummy. There's something interesting during his mob song. Mm-hmm. When I was reading some stuff, um, like a list of the 25 things, kind of like problematic or weird about Beauty and the Beast and he says in the song when he's like rallying the support screw your courage to this to us to a the sticky, to the sticky yeah. place Macbeth yeah he quotes Macbeth right earlier yeah. on he devises this really kind of well laid out plan of you know gaslighting um Belle into marrying him mm-hmm. in terms of like getting Maurice uh, Put into a, put into an insane asylum, mm-hmm. and everything he kind of says during that song is just about people's interpretation of him, the way people see. So him. he's a Trump figure, right? The way people, but the way people see him. Yeah. And there's these three, as portrayed by by drawing, beautiful women, triplets. They probably would be fine. 1991 you know? Disney cleavage. Yeah, they'd probably be fine. There's doing, a bunch of them. Doing. Yeah all being with him at the same time they're definitely related I think mm-hmm. 
you know, so Gaston has options, but he's attracted to Belle, who's like this quiet, quasi-mousy. She's definitely supposed to be attractive, because she's named Belle. Um, but she's stuck her head in a book, you know, and, and Gaston even looks at the book and holds it right, then turns it sideways. Gaston's a tragic figure. He's illiterate. No, I think he's literate. Oh, okay. I think Gaston is much more intelligent than he lets on, yet he's so torn down by everyone. So Belle doesn't give a fuck. Mm. Belle doesn't care how the world sees her. She's living Belle's life, mm. right? Maybe too much. That baker did nothing wrong. That baker... 10, 23, okay, did you? That baker is happy with being a baker. Like, everyone's pretty yeah. happy to live in that like, village. Bill, calm your shit. Like, it's okay if you want to do something else, but just, like, don't make fun of these people. But Gaston, you know, Gaston, you know, does care about what those people think. Hmm. And yet he doesn't, he wants to, he wants to live that true life. You know, he's so obsessed with Belle because... Maybe he wants Belle to fix him. Yeah, because I, and I but I think he's, I think he's smart, he's definitely smart... He's definitely literate. Because of the Macbeth thing. Yep. Because quote Macbeth. And because he holds the book the right way and turns it sideways. When he's like, to oh, pretend he's illiterate? Yeah. yeah. And mm. everyone always says, like, Gaston's narcissist. He's not really a villain until, like, the end. Mm. You know? Just because he's pushed against a wall in the end. Because he knows, he comes to this realization that Belle's never going to love him. Mm-hmm. And he sees nothing. He has no future anymore. The one person who could save him is gone. Mm-hmm. And he knows it because he's emotionally intelligent enough to see the fact that of how people interpret him. It's gone. Mm. It's over. And that's when he becomes a villain. That's when he's like, I need to, like, I'm going to make her hurt the way I want to hurt. Mm. It's, it's really sad. It's, it's, it's evil. Definitely evil. But it's sad, isn't it? Well, do you think that's why he keeps LeFou around? Because LeFou makes him seem like... LeFou doesn't judge him? And that's, well, that's the thing. Like, with the remake, like, with making LeFou, like, gay. Like, I watched the anime version, I'm like, I kind of want those two the fuck. Like, imagine imagine how great in the end it would have been, like, if he's like, let me go, let me go, and he lets him go. And Gaston kind of breaks down, and LeFou supports him, and then... They go to town. Like, LeFou... Well, that would have... That would have... You gotta admit... You gotta admit, like, imagine a perfect ending of Bell's like, Beast, Gaston, go fuck yourselves, I'm outie. Beast, I'm glad you're getting better. Flipping you off, mm-hmm. going away. LeFou's, like, supporting him, and Gaston goes like, you know what? I like to read. And LeFou's like, I know you do. I've always known you like to read. And then, see, but the is thing, that not, but like, I think, in 2020, like, yeah. the beautiful ending to Beauty and the Beast. But I think Gaston, the- LeFou, fuck. The Beast finds... A woman later on and just as happy with being a good person and Belle goes on her adventures. Maybe uh, he dates the wardrobe or something. Oh no, the wardrobe is dating the piano in the new one. That's right. You um, know what? Maybe he just he just comes to like a lot of self-realization. Yeah, and he's just like, cool. I like myself the way I am. I'm yeah. going to help some homeless people or something. I'm going to let the peasants of the village... Like live in this giant... Live in this giant mansion. Yeah. So... Float on some 3D chandeliers, like CGI chandeliers. That'd be great. Right. He's like the Jeff Bezos like of this a universe. perfect movie in there. A perfect 2020 movie in there, but unfortunately it's, it's made in 1991. Yeah, but they made it, they remade it in 2018 and they kept we it roughly the same. That. Except that LeFou does find like a mate, I suppose, at the end of the movie. 
I mean, what happens to LeFou in this movie? Oh, he's so terrible. He's such a... Oh, that's the thing. I fucking hate these Disney movies, man. They're all so terrible. That's one of the things I liked about the new... I, I kind of like the new the new Beauty and the Beast, if only because... I like, still... I have not seen it. Right. You have... It's, it's stayed. It's pretty, like, sterile. It's like two and a half hours, right? It's long, yeah. But, like... Why is it two and a half hours? I like that they've made... They've turned... They've taken people that are, like, caricatures. Like, I'm glad that Kevin Klein's Maurice is not, like, just a big fat Disney... Like, Disney dad. I was who plays Maurice in... Yeah, Kevin Klein. So, this is the thing. The Disney dads at this time, other than, I suppose, whatever Ariel's dad's name was... Just, Poseidon or whatever? Is it Poseidon? Whatever. It's fine. her dad Poseidon? Look, Evans plays Gaston. That's a, yeah. That's good casting. He sounds good. That's he sounds good. real that's, good. Yeah. That's real good casting. Um, he makes Hugh it work. Hugh McGregor has Lumiere. Yeah. He does that. fake Hugh McGregor accent. Hugh McGregor is in a rough place. We should have intervention. We should have Evan Thompson has Mrs. Potts is good. Which is fine. Yeah. Ian McKellen has Cogsworth. What the fuck? Is Stanley Tucci... What's that? He's fuck a piano. Is that character? Oh, okay. Is that a bigger role in the the live action version? Yeah. I don't know about that. And he's he's dating the wardrobe, which is like an opera singer. Josh Gad. I don't know. About, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Yeah, he's not great. I don't know about that. Anyway, we did it. We talked about Beauty and Beast. You good? Mm-hmm. Feeling good? Yeah. Are, are you asking me? Are you doing okay? No, it's a different podcast. Are you doing okay? I guess I'm doing fine. It's an ASMR podcast. Audrey is Audrey McDonald. A, oh, she is a she's a singer. You're gonna watch it now. I'll watch it eventually, not anytime soon. Gotta watch this fucking garbage for next week. <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> It's too much of this thing. I really Tom's don't number like. Tom's number fifteen is is something that I'm not looking forward to ever seeing. But I will subject. I'm not making to. you watch the whole thing. You should have. It would have been. It would have been great had you subjected me to watch all. How many hours is it? Uh, so, uh I think eight. Oh, it's only eight. For some reason, I thought it was like sixteen. No, 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 no. Because no. it was a TV. It was like a TV special. That's not a movie. It's a movie. Why is it on your list? Because it's a movie. It's all one thing. I my movie. I'm breaking all the rules in my movie. I have a couple movies here in my top fifteen oh, right. that you are just like. You do make up for it. With you, you do make up for it with like your twenty six minute long movie. <laughs> is that how long that is? Uh, maybe thirty. Uh, twenty six minutes. Was it an hour or, long or, or? No, it's either thirty two or twenty six. Yeah. So I guess I guess that makes up for it. If you have questions about time, you can mute your mic during the second or third presidential debates. Or you can tweet us at Film Pivotal. Or you can go to pivotalfilmpodcast at gmail.com to send us a message about whatever. We don't care. Um, actually, you can send us a message about what we should watch next week because we had a lot of questions before. Uh, uh, someone had a pro- accident with the chainsaw from earlier. Um, about what we're going to watch next week. Or you can go to pivotalfilm.com and see a list of the beers that we've drank. Um, I thought we figured out what we're watching next week. Did we? The September 10th movie. The Haley Lou Richardson. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Never, rarely, sometimes, always remake. Yeah, which is that might be good. Oh, I'm sure it got good reviews. We're yeah, doing on pregnant next week. Um, 
Or you can listen to the movies that are on our list or how to subscribe. Or if you need a link to our Twitter account because you just don't know how Twitter works, um, you can do that. Yeah, saying at Film Pivotal for weeks didn't... For <laughs> weeks. Years. Well, it was weeks. Yeah. Um, do you remember that one time somebody actually tweeted us and we're like, well, what do we do? I know. They asked, what do we do? That's the question about well, Ant-Kind. I, like, I was like, you have to answer this. Qu-. I answered the one. And you're like, you have to answer this question, Tom. And like five days later, you're like... I answered it well. Fucking Twitter limits the amount of... I need more than 140 characters. I need it. I think you get 280 now, don't you? Or I it, don't think so. You make a Twitter thread. Thread. Twitter thread. <laughs> what does a Twitter thread look like? Um, yeah, so do that. A little Thompson. A little Ward. No Phelps. No. No Fred Phelps. <laughs> um... Yeah, so watch a movie, drink beer, and uh, we'll talk to you next. Yeah, two episodes. Yeah, next week. Something.